We are continuing in our series, In the Garden. The goal of the series is to be strengthened in our faith so that we can stand against the schemes of the devil, so that we actually know what are the consequences of sin, but more importantly than anything else, so that we trust in Jesus Christ, in his grace, his truth, and his righteousness. In part one, we took a look at the schemes of the devil, and the main schemes of the devil is to have sin inserted into our lives. And then in part two, we looked at the consequences of sin, the alienation, the pain, the death, the corruption of us so much that we cannot save ourselves. Now, I know I realize that these uh, topics are weighty. I know that they aren't fun to do necessarily. But the thing is, if you misunderstand the fall, you misunderstand it all. If you misunderstand the fall, you misunderstand it all. See, what you need to know also, though Satan was there in the garden with his schemes, and though sin entered into the garden, and thus alienation, shame, death, hiding, though all of that happened, God was there with his grace. And that's what we're talking about today. Grace. Grace in the garden. God was working already to provide restoration for a fallen world. See, if you read about the garden and you only get that it was fallen, but you miss God's grace in the very beginning you also misunderstand it all. So today we are going to take a look at the call, that grace in the garden. And it's going to be three points. The calling of grace. The grace of covering. And the grace of expulsion. So the, gra- the grace of calling, covering, and expulsion. Let's go to our text. Verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Now, if you remember, one of the effects of sin is alienation, and that manifests itself in hiding. We hide from other people. (laughs) How many of you actually have had an argument with somebody, and there's been some sin or something, and you see them in the grocery store, and you go down another aisle instead? Yeah, we hide. We hide. We hide in all sorts of ways. I talked about last week how I had my wrist rocket and I was uh, taking aim at cars when I was about eight or nine, something like that, and I hit a car. And so what did I do, if you remember? I went around the house and I hid in our pop-up camper. And I scrunched in there my eight, nine-year-old self as much as I could. I hid in the darkness. And what did I hear? I heard my father coming after me. Now, I did not come out of that hiding because of my earthly father. Not at all. I scrunched down even tighter. But the thing is, my father coming after me, though he was mad, and oh, he was mad. It was because he loved me. He wasn't indifferent to me. If he was indifferent to me, he would have just said, well, just whatever, be on your way. No, he actually came after me because he loved me. 
In a similar manner, God, our Father, comes after us. You see, God could have said to Adam and Eve, well, too bad for you, you're just going to suffer the consequences of sin. He could have just left them, so to speak. But he didn't. He actually called out to them. He said, where are you? It's not that God didn't know where they were. And it wasn't even a rebuke. It was calling out to them in their sin. One commentator said this. It says, as God was calling to them, Oh, my son, my child, how did you get into such a place? See, it's not meant as a rebuke, but God calls us so that we have an opportunity to repent, to confess our sin to him and thus be restored. And this is how it always go. God comes to us to find us. This is why the parable that is in our reading from Luke was so important. From our reading, Luke chapter 15, starting verse 4, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go out after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Though we are sinners, God reaches out to us. Though we have sinned and broken our relationship and created that alienation, God reaches out across the divide. This is really important. It wasn't the sheep calling out to Jesus. Jesus came for the sheep, right? It's not that we in our sin are calling out to God. It is that God comes to us. God so loved the world that he sent his son for us, the lost Those who are in darkness. And that's always it. God always takes the first step. It is God God in Christ Jesus who is reaching out to us. If nothing else that you get that today, it is God in Christ Jesus who is reaching out to us. So today, you might hear his voice. Where are you? How'd you get in such a situation? Is God calling you to come out of hiding, to come out of darkness, and be restored in Him? This is why the song Softly and Tenderly is such a wonderful song. Here are two verses. It says, the refrain, Come home, come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O sinner, come home. O for the wonderful love he has promised, promised for you and for me. Though we have sinned, he has mercy and pardon, pardon for you and for me. That's the grace of calling. That's what happened in the garden. Where are you? There's also the grace of covering Verse 21, 
And the Lord made for Adam for his, and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Now, do you remember the effect of sin was one effect of sin was shame, right? And what did Adam and Eve do? They got fig leaves, right? To try to cover up their nakedness, to try to cover up their shame. But the fig leaves really couldn't cover up their shame, could they? I mean, they were kind of a pitiful excuse for covering, if you think about it. So God did what Adam and Eve could not do. He covered their shame with his righteousness. This is a critical point to understand what happened in the garden. And I'm going to give an illustration from uh, Joni Erickson Tada. How many of you know of Joni Erickson Tada? A few? Okay. Let me, before I actually give the illustration, let me give you a little background on uh, Joni Erickson Tada. She was an active woman growing up into sports, horseback riding, swimming, tennis, many different things. So on June 30th, 1967, she actually dove into the Chesapeake Bay, but she miscalculated and she hit her head and uh, she suffered a fracture between the fourth and fifth cervical levels and became a quadriplegic. In essence, she was paralyzed and is paralyzed from the neck on down. She spent two years in rehabilitation. It was awful. There was a lot of depression. There were uh, doubts regarding faith. I mean, she grew up as, as a strong Christian, but things like that, they really do and can shake your faith. She even had suicidal thoughts. During occupational therapy, however, she learned to paint with a, a paintbrush in her mouth. And so she was able to paint that way. So to date, I mean, she has sold her artwork. She's written over 40 different books. She's recorded musical albums. She starred in an autobiographical movie about her life. She's an advocate for people with disabilities. In 1982, she got married to uh, Ken Tata. She is also a breast cancer survivor. Do you get all this that's happening? And through her ministry, she has reached millions and millions of people. Okay, so that's just the background of who she is. Now, from her radio broadcast, I'm just going to uh, quote here. It's a little lengthy, but it's w well worthwhile. She started off her broadcast. Hi, I'm Joni Erickson Tata, and there's lots I can't do for myself. And look, I don't need to list all the things my quadriplegia prevents me from doing. And for the most part, I'm okay with that. But that one thing I really wish I could do is dress myself. I can't pull on a sweater or a coat, button or a jacket. I can't pull up my slacks or my nylons, slip into a skirt or uh, hop into shorts. Sometimes when a friend is trying to put on my sweater, my fingers get stuck in the sleeve or I lose my balance and start to fall over. It can be a little frustrating at times. No, I can't clothe myself. I wish I could do it for myself because it is, after all, uh, a rather private thing, rather personal. And so in the past, I've always looked at it as part of a problem. But thankfully, this problem has always driven me to God for help. But, it isn't, is, but isn't it just like the Lord Jesus to not only give grace when we need it, but help and insight? 
Because the other evening, now get this, I was reading in Revelation how one day we will be clothed in righteousness. I was intrigued by that word clothed. So I did a quick word search and found myself in Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, where it says, You who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. And that really got me going. I looked up more references. I found Isaiah chapter 61, where it says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. I tell you, all these verses really brightened my spirit, and they got me thinking, why, when the Bible talks about our righteousness, does it always say that God clothes us? Like something he put on us or does to us. I mean, even way back in the Garden of Eden, it was God who provided a sacrifice, and therefore the skins to clothe Adam and Eve after the fall. And then it hit me. Garments of salvation and robes of righteousness. This is something we absolutely cannot provide for ourselves. God provides the salvation and the righteousness. Oh, yes, we can clothe ourselves with Christ, as it says in Galatians, but it's his righteousness, not ours. And so righteousness is something which God does to and for us. There's nothing in ourselves. We cannot get ourselves dressed, so to speak, in righteousness. Isn't that, it's, it's a profound thing, what she said here. And it's profound because it speaks exactly to what the Bible says. God, in his grace, covered our sins. Our shame is covered with his righteousness. But there's even more to it than that. You have to understand that we can't provide our own righteousness. So in the garden, God covered their shame with his righteousness by providing a sacrifice. You have to understand how important this is. In order for them to be covered with skin, something had to die. An animal died for them. God did that. You see, what is, what is the penalty for sin? The wages of sin is death, right? So their death was covered by a sacrifice. Adam and Eve didn't ask God to do that, did they? God did that on his own. He took something that was part of creation, something he declared good, and gave it to them. That's grace. Un. Deserved merit. That's grace. Now, I hope you understand how this now foreshadows Jesus. Who is Jesus? He is the Lamb of God who was sacrificed for our sin. Jesus, who is righteousness, died so that we are covered by his blood. Now, there are some things in your sermon notes, and I hope you really look them up. Some things that really reinforce all of this. So in Ephesians chapter 1, starting verse 7, In him we have 
redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. So his blood redeems us from sin. His blood cleanses us from all sin. His blood is precious. His blood washes our robes that are but filthy rags before the Lord and makes them white by the blood of Jesus. Do you understand now? In the garden, God gave grace to Adam and Eve and covered their sin, their shame, with the sacrifice, His righteousness, which points us all the way to Jesus. This is the grace of covering. Now there is one more thing I want you to consider in this grace of covering. See, you and I, in our sin, try to cover ourselves up by many different ways. Not fig leaves, but we try to cover up our sin by being extra nice to somebody, by helping somebody out, by going to church, right? We, we try to cover that up, but the only thing that truly will cover your sin is the repentance and faith in Christ and Him alone. So again, God calls you to come out of hiding. God calls you to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ Jesus. Now let's go to the grace of expulsion. Verse 22 through 24. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, at first glance, this does not seem like grace. This seems like just pure punishment. I mean, after all, he kicked him out of paradise. Paradise was lost. How could that be grace? Well, think about it for a moment. How many of you, when you were children, have done, did something you shouldn't have done? Like, like I know, everybody would raise their hands on that one, right? Actually, there's only one woman I know from my previous church. She was like, she followed everything her parents did. But everybody else, right? We're all guilty of that. And when you look back at it, how many times did your parents tell you? If I told you once, I told you a million. A million, okay. My mom said a thousand times, but apparently some of you needed more than that. But even though we were told a hundred, a thousand, a million times, we still didn't, did it, didn't we? We still went back and did what we shouldn't have done. And sometimes those things are very destructive. I gave you the example a couple of weeks ago, right, about don't touch the stove. It's hot, right? You don't want that. Don't run with scissors down the hallway. That's another famous one, isn't it? But you all have things that your parents said, this will harm you if you continue on doing that. And sometimes they literally had to grab you by the back of your neck and get you out of the room because you would harm yourself. You understand that, right? Adam and Eve 
were kicked out of the garden before further harm could come to them. You see, because of the sin, there was condemnation. There was alienation. There was pain. There would be death. And if they had eaten from the tree of life, and then they would live in a state of eternal condemnation. One pastor put it this way, if Adam had eternal life in a state of sin, he would have had a life of eternal condemnation, or we would call that damnation. So what did God do? He saved them from that eternal punishment and kicked them out of the garden. This is grace before they would come to further harm. And to ensure that they didn't come back in, because, you know, as kids, right? Even though, don't open that door. Well, of course, then you've got to open the door. And you look for the key above there that mom and dad hide, but they don't really hide, right? And you go back in where you shouldn't go. So God put a cherubim with a flaming sword that was going every which way so they couldn't get back in. Now, at some point, it would be wonderful to do a whole study about cherubim. Actually, the Bible's very rich in that, but they are the guardians of what God has said is sacred. God said is holy. So that they were there to guard God's holiness, what he declared sacred, and to also stop them from eternal condemnation. This is what happened in the Garden of Eden. Now, you might be thinking, well, what does this have to do with me? Look, even though we are now adults, most of us here are adults, the truth is a lot of us are simply sophisticated in our childishness. We're just better at it. And we do things we know we shouldn't do. And sometimes... There are things we shouldn't do that, after a while, our hearts become hardened. It's like somebody said, you know, lying is difficult the first time, but after that it gets easier. Right? Because you kind of just push it away for a little bit. But there are things that start to destroy us. I mentioned it before, alcohol is one. Greed is another. Power money, all sorts of things can destroy us. And we get so enmeshed in it that we don't see our sin anymore and we don't acknowledge the lie. I mean, oh yeah, if we stop for a moment, if we really stop for a moment, we would know that it was so bad that we would be crushed by it, so we can't stop. But there are times that God intervenes and says, no more. And thus, there are friends and family members who intervene and say, you've got to stop this. It's killing you. And it's killing the people around you. Sometimes the world actually crashes down on you, too. And God lets that happen. 
People say, well, why would God let that happen? Because if it didn't crash down on you then, you would be utterly destroyed. There are times in your life when it has been so dark and so awful after your world has crashed that you think, how could anything good come from this? But it is only in retrospect, only after the fact, that you see it was the best thing that could have ever happened to you. The best thing. Because now you have a new life. You have a new start. You are restored. That's grace. When your world crashes and you finally are expelled from the lies and sin that you're in, you have the opportunity to repent and have a new life in Christ. Brothers and sisters, that's grace. That is grace. So in the garden, in the garden, God was already at work with his grace of calling, with his grace of covering, with his grace of expulsion. So next week we are going to complete this series And it will be salvation. The promise of salvation in Christ Jesus found in the garden. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are a gracious God. Our hearts just lift in praise to you. How how unending your grace is to us. We thank you that you have called to us. We thank you that you cover us in your righteousness. And we thank you that you stop us from the path of eternal condemnation. We thank you in Christ Jesus, who is our Lord and Savior. Amen.